Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Praise God. Well, we want to talk to you tonight about spiritual thirst before we spend some time in prayer before the Lord. Spiritual thirst. And Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5 and verse 6, and this is from the Message Translation of the Bible. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink and the best meal you'll ever eat. How about that translation? That pretty good? <laughs> Amen. Are you hungry for God? Are you thirsty for God? Amen. In the King James, of course, it says, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, then you're going to be filled. Let me begin by saying that since Adam walked the earth, somewhere between 106 to 108 billion people have walked the earth. That's a lot of people, wouldn't you say? 106 to 108 billion people have walked the earth. Of course, we've been made in the image and likeness of God. But we're all unique in our own special way, are we not? Now that's amazing right there to think if you think about it. But think about this. We all have got our different personalities. We have our different voice. We have our different fingerprints. And our different DNA. And that's mind-boggling when you think about that. Think about it. Different yet unique. And God knows every one of us by name. He knows how many hairs we've lost on our head. He knows the number of each and every one of them. It's amazing to think about how he cares for us. Well, when Jesus here is talking about hunger, he's not talking about physical, natural hunger or thirst. We know that. But before we get there, look at John's Gospel, chapter 7, and verses 37 to 39. In the last day of that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, that they which believe on him shall receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given. Why? Because Jesus was not yet glorified. So notice he's talking about rivers of living water flowing out of your being. If you're really thirsty, come and drink. He told the woman at the well, I'm going to give you water, right, that you'll never thirst again. But then he talked, which was salvation. And then he's talking about here water that's going to overflow from your spirit, rivers of it, and manifest itself in healing the sick, setting the captives free, etc., etc. Rivers of living water. Why did he say this on the last great day of the feast? The day of the feast, we're talking about the Feast of Tabernacles. And on the last or the great day of the feast, a priest would lead a procession and they would go to the pool of Siloam. At the pool of Siloam, he would have a golden vase that he would dip in the water, fill it up, and then lead the procession back to the temple. And as they went back to the temple, they would rejoice. When he got to the temple, he would take the vase of water and pour it on the western side of the altar of sacrifice. Then another priest would take 
also a drink offering of wine and pour it on the eastern side of the altar of sacrifice. And as they did this, what they would do, they would sing the Hallel, which is Psalms 113 through 118, and they would just chant them back and forth. They would chant this here Hallel, these three, these particular Psalms, 113 and 118. And they knew that what it meant was the time would come when God would pour out his spirit in the days of the latter rain. And so now you can imagine this is actually going on in the temple and Jesus enters in and Jesus tells his, his disciples, I am the fulfillment of what they're doing in there. If you are really thirsty, come to me and drink and out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water life-giving water so Jesus was saying the requirement is that people have got to be thirsty and if they are thirsty they will be filled in other words we should never be satisfied with where we're at and what we have in God we should have a longing burning desire on the inside of us a hunger and a thirst for God that cannot be quenched until we are so filled with and so full of the spirit that it flows out of us in a life-giving way giving life the force of life to those that are around us well first of all we know Jesus wasn't talking about natural water for example like the Israelites when they got to the bitter waters of Mara they were thirsty they were very thirsty they were desperately thirsty they were out there in the wilderness all that time and they were parched. They thought they were going to die of thirst. And they get to the bitter waters of Mara and they cry out to Moses. And Moses cries out to God. And these waters are bitter. They can't drink the water. They're poison. And he says, throw in the cross, the tree. Throw it into the, tr into the water and make it sweet again. And of course, he did that. And when he did that, the waters became drinkable. And their thirst was quenched. And then if you recall the story of Samson when he killed a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. Anybody here athletically minded? Okay. Let's figure this out. One man against 1,000. And these 1,000 have different kinds of weapons. They have short range weapons, a sword, a knife. They've got mid range weapons, a spear, like a javelin. They've got long-range weapons, such as a slingshot or a bow and arrow. And there are 1,000 of them coming at one man with the jawbone of a donkey. I would say the odds are against him. He must have worked up somewhat of a sweat because he was dehydrated when he got done killing 1,000 Philistines that were armed the way they were with the jawbone of a donkey. Now my thought is this, if you were number 1,000, why would you still be there? <laughs> Have you thought that one through? Look at Judges 15 verse 18 in the New Living Translation. Look what it says. Samson was now very thirsty. Yeah, he perspired a little bit fighting a thousand 
Philistines. And he cried out to the Lord, you have accomplished this great victory by the strength of your servant. Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of these pagans? You see how thirsty he was? He thought he was going to die. Just like the Israelites of old thought they were going to die. No, Jesus was not talking about that kind of thirst. And he also was not talking about a sinful thirst for things like the things of this world. Riches and pleasure and just kind of things that make people, you know, like honors and things that are people look, that are looking for, being prideful and all that. He wasn't talking about natural thirst. He wasn't talking about sinful thirst. He was talking about a thirst. Hallelujah. For the things of God. A thirst to be filled with the Holy Ghost and power. A spiritual thirst that could not be quenched with anything else but the outpouring of God's spirit and the human life in such a way as to take them out of the natural and put them in the realm of the spiritual or the supernatural. He's talking about a hunger and a thirst that people would possess that would take them further in the things of God than they've ever been before. There was going to come a time when there would be the days of the latter rain that God would pour out his spirit and he is crying out before all the people and say if, you hung, if you're hungry and if you're thirsty and if you really thirst for spiritual and supernatural things you can be filled to overflowing. Now we don't have to be talking about a, a whole lot tonight to know what we're talking about. If you've joined us together today what a time to talk about hunger and thirst on a day of fasting and prayer. Think about it. Because if you participated, you're probably somewhat a little bit thirsty and a little bit hungry right now. And so God has built within us something that lets us know, man, you're hungry and you need some food or you're thirsty. You need something to drink. But sometimes we can get to a place of spiritually being lethargic and apathetic that we don't realize that we should be thirstier than we are right now. See, there are different levels of thirst. You can be slightly thirsty. You can be moderately thirsty or one could be what? Desperately thirsty. Now, as far as uh, the Israelites were concerned, they were desperately thirsty. As far as Samson was concerned, he was desperately thirsty. And as far as Jesus was concerned, when he was upon that cross, he was desperately thirsty. I thirst, give me something to drink. He was dehydrated. He was poured out as a drink offering for all of us. Right? Well, I want you to notice that there were others in the Bible that were thirsty as well, but not for natural water. Look at David's thirst. Let's define that. I believe he was desperately thirsty for God. Look at Psalm 63, verse 1. O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee. In a dry, thirsty land where no water is to see your power and your glory. So as I've seen thee in the sanctuary, because your loving kindness is better than life. Thus will I bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. He's constantly running away from Saul, King Saul, trying to kill him. He finds himself away from the temple where he saw the glory and the power of Almighty God. And remember, this is a man after God's own heart, and he wants more. He wants more of God. He wants to see the glory of God. He wants to experience the power of God. He says, my longing thirst for you is, is as if I'm in a dry, thirsty land where there's no water. I'm parched. I want to see your glory. I want to see your power. I want to experience your loving kindness like I've never done before. You see where he's at? He's absolutely desperate for the presence, power, and the glory of God. Look at Paul. Paul's another, another one who was desperately thirsty. Philippians chapter 3, 
and beginning verse 7 from the Message Bible. I love the way that it states this. The very credentials these people are waving around as something special, I'm tearing up and throwing out with the trash. Along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Christ. Yes, all the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life. Compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand, everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant dog dung. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. I didn't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules when I can get the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ, God's righteousness. I gave up all that inferior stuff so I could know Christ personally, experience his resurrection power, and be a partner in his suffering and go all the way with him to the death itself. If there was any way to get in on the resurrection from the dead, I wanted to do it. I'm not saying that I have this all together, that I have made it, but I am well on my way, reaching out for Christ who has so wondrously reached out for me. Can you see he's desperate for Christ? everything he has we're talking about credentials we're talking about intellect we're talking about education we're talking about religious tradition we're talking about a position his position that he had there among the people as a Pharisee of the Pharisees as a Hebrew of the Hebrews and all that he says all that I have in this life all that I've experienced every accolade of men all that I've ever encountered in this life is nothing but garbage compared to the excellency of the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and to be walking in the fullness of the glory power that raised him up from the dead if I could possibly achieve this that his power would manifest through me as it was manifested through him what thirst did he have and then you've got another one this woman that had the blood issue we won't take time to read it Matthew Mark's gospel chapter 5 25 to 34 you know the story she had this issue of blood for 12 years, spent all that she had, many physicians, she was nothing better, rather grew worse, she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind, touched his garment, said if I could touch his clothes I shall be whole, and then of course she did, and then when Jesus said somebody touched me, the, the, the disciples said, who, what do you mean who touched you, Everybody, everybody's thronging you and you say who touched me? He said, no, 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 power has gone out of me. Somebody touched me, she fell out and told him all the truth, and Jesus said to her, daughter, your faith has made you whole, go and be whole of thy plague, go in peace. You know what, this woman you know what she was tired of? Drinking from the fountain of religious tradition. She was tired of drinking from the fountain of human reasoning. From drinking from the fountain of fear and the fountain of despair. And the list goes on and on. In other words, I am so tired of being in the state that I'm in right now. I need more than what I have. And when she heard of Jesus, she said, oh, that's it for me. I hunger and I thirst to get to him and touch him. As far as I'm concerned, that is my mission. I'm setting my face like a flint like Jesus did. And I'm going to get to him and I'm going to touch his garment. And so she set herself out to touch the rivers of living water that poured forth out of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And when she did praise God, she was not disappointed. She got from him what religious tradition could never do. What human uh, reasoning could never do. She got from him what, of course, fear was trying to keep her from getting and despair as well. 
if we're sitting back in despair thinking woe is unto me because things aren't just going right in my life oh my goodness my goodness we're drinking from a fountain that we don't want any part of those waters are bitter but praise God when you throw the cross into the bitter waters of human life praise God Jesus makes life a whole lot better again he said I came to give you life and that more abundantly come and drink from these waters forget those waters of human ego forget those waters of human reasoning forget those waters of religious tradition and come and drink the living water that I've got for you and out of your belly shall flow these rivers of living water and all you talk about representing him in a powerful and living way Isaiah 43 verse 3 message Bible look at what it says for I will pour water on the thirsty ground and send streams coursing to the parched earth I will pour my spirit into your descendants and my blessing on your children God is not in the process of pouring out his spirit where the let's say the the land is saturated with religious tradition he's not going to pour out his spirit upon the land that is full of human ego and human wisdom human knowledge human tradition he's not going to pour out his spirit upon the land that's saturated with sinful pleasures I'm telling you, he is going to pour out his spirit upon those who've experienced because of those other things, a parched life, a dry land where no water is. You're empty because you found out that those things cannot produce what they've said that they would produce. Religious tradition cannot save us. Human ego cannot save us. Human uh, uh, wisdom and, and reasoning cannot save us sinful pleasures will take us down a wrong road that we don't want any part of because at the end of that road is the way of death it may seem right for a time but the end of that road is a way of what it's a way of death but praise God there is a plan a purpose a will that God has for all of our lives there is a path that we can take and if we will God will pour out his spirit upon the heart that says I thirst for more of God in my life I thirst for more of God in my family I thirst for more of God in my church I think I thirst for more of God in the state that I live in in the country that I live in and my government I just thirst for God is in a dry and thirsty land where no water is are you thirsty tonight you want more of God tonight you want more of his power more of his glory more of his presence more reality with him is your heart crying out for reality with the living God we should be thirsty for reality spiritual realities with the living God like we've never seen before you see we live in a country right now where it's so easy for us to become apathetic and lethargic isn't that true we can get so caught up with all the affairs of life and so caught up with all the events that are taking place around us that we could just leave little time to really seek the face of Almighty God and just say you know what I'm not satisfied I want to see you high and lifted up and full of glory I want to see your train filling the temple I want to hear the angels cry holy I want us to come together when we meet on a night like this and just experience the presence of your power and your glory among us in such a way that the lost are saved the sick are healed the bound and afflicted are delivered and set free needs are being met marriages are being restored praise God divorces are being canceled families are being knit together in love young people are getting on fire for God and you know what that kind of revival does not come because we say we're going to have a meeting next Friday night 
That kind of a revival comes because people like us tonight come together and we say enough is enough from all the waters that are out there as far as the waters of life. The fountain, praise God, that produces nothing but heartache and pain. We have come together because we believe there's a better, bigger fountain, praise God, where we can experience the outpouring of God's spirit like we never had before right here in this locality where we live. That we can impact those that are around us. Beloved, it's going to take a whole lot more to reach the people of our communities that, that we represent than just saying come to a church service it's going to be the hand of almighty God resting upon those whose hearts are sincere and upright before him and they say I want more listen to just a little bit of uh, excitement when I go to church you know we could get up we could run around we could jump we can holler we can shout we can praise we can do all that stuff but it doesn't matter how high you and I jump when our feet hit the ground we better have a revelation of the word of God the person of Jesus Christ an understanding of our covenant and a desire to have the Holy Ghost truly manifest himself among us in power in glory and in might can you say amen, amen. hallelujah so I put together for us tonight notice this yeah Hallelujah. I don't know, some, someone just, this is just dropped to me for the, from the Lord. There's a breakthrough for you if you listen to what's being said. There is a breakthrough for you to experience in your life if you will listen, but listen to what's being said. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, sometimes our thirst level is only moderate. Sometimes it's slight, but many times it's moderate. But God is speaking to our hearts. He's saying, you got to get thirsty. you got to get desperately thirsty for me. Where it becomes the first thing on your mind. I want more of you. I want to experience you in a more intimate way. I want to walk in higher places with you. I want to experience your spirit in a powerful and glorious way. I long for you as in this dry and thirsty land where no water is. Positioning ourselves for a spiritual outpouring. And I put this together for us. Just take it home. Matter of fact, throughout the, the upcoming days, weeks, and months, join together with us and let this be your prayer focus. Here they are. Number one, spiritual humility and repentance among us. Oh, praise God Almighty that we would have a spirit of humility and a spirit of repentance to fall upon us as a people. And remember, all this starts with us as individuals. Why? Because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And when you humble yourself, and I humble myself before God and pray and seek his face and say, you know what, Lord, I know there's more to have in you. I know I can experience more than what I'm experiencing right now. I know there's more that can be done in my family. I know there's so much more that you want to do. So I humble myself before you and expose some areas of my life that maybe I need to repent so I can repent. So I can turn to you once again. Humble myself, pray, seek your face, turn from what displeases you. That you might hear my voice on high. Forgive my sin and bring healing to my land. Hallelujah. Individually, as a family, as a church, we can all do the same thing. Also, that there be a deeper awareness of the holiness of the living God that we serve. When Isaiah saw him high and lifted up, I'm telling you, he didn't walk in there flippantly before the Lord and say, I'm gonna walk him and say, hey buddy, how you doing? And sometimes I think that kind of an attitude exists. I believe in wonderful, powerful, positive messages that are light and airy that help people along the way. But there comes a time when we've got to get serious with God and we realize and we recognize he is a holy, holy God and he expects holiness from his people. And so, the closer we get to his presence, I believe, the more of his holiness that rubs off on us. 
So we need to pray that there would be a spirit of, of holiness recognized among the people, an awareness of God's holiness. We don't come into church, thank God we're here, but we're not just coming here just to see what's going on with other people's lives or just because we're here out of duty and responsibility. We've come to create a habitation for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We have come to provide a habitation for him to live within our midst. And you know where God is? There is a holy place. Take your shoes off, he said to Moses. That's holy ground you're standing on. That's the kind of attitude that he wants us all to have. When we gather together like this, can you imagine walking in these doors and everybody having that same mindset that says, I'm walking into a place where we provide habitation for the God who made the universe, who, who sent his son, who died for us, who rose again, who came back and showed himself alive who's alive right now with the father's right hand who said if two or three are in my name there am I right there in the midst of them can you say hallelujah glory be to God a revelation of the evil of sin is the next one a revelation just uh, you know why I'm saying that because today we live in a time right now when we got these extreme grace preachers that are telling us your sins have been forgiven past present and future I correct that and say no they've been forgiven They've been provided for past, present, and future. It's up to us to still confess our faults, our sins, our failures, etc., etc. But the mentality is this. We're not under the law, we're under grace. I understand that. But when Paul was told or asked by the Romans and said, they said to him, well, if that's the case then, should we sin so that grace may abound? What did he say? God forbid that you should sin for that grace would, be about, would amount. Don't you know sin has no dominion over you? If you're living in grace, you're standing against sin. Amen. Not this mentality that says, oh, it doesn't matter if I'm committing adultery. What does that matter? Because my sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. It doesn't matter if I lie, cheat, or steal. What does that matter? My sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. No, they're provided for, past, present, and future. And if we want forgiven, what do we have to do? Forgive people, right? Confess your faults one to another. Praise God. And then next, that there would be a spirit of obedience that would clothe every single one of us. I want to walk in your obedience like I've never walked in it before. Clothe me with your spirit that your purposes may be fulfilled in my life and through my life. Father, that is my heart's cry and my longing desire. And then next, that we would be passionate. Everybody say passionate passionate about saving the lost healing the sick and setting the captives free and when I say passionate about that please listen to me carefully when I say this if we're really passionate about saving the lost healing the sick setting the captives free the part of our worship service when we call people forward there would be an automatic response from the body of Christ unless there's an emergency or something like that you know what you would do you would go into this gear right here. Oh Lord, if they need saved, save them. If they need healed, heal them. If they need delivered, deliver them. And, and join together your forces with what's going on at the altar. Do, do you see what I'm talking about? There would be a reverence for that. There would be a respect for that. There would be a cry from the heart saying, that, that could be my loved one up there who's been attacked with this disease or that sickness or whatever. That could be my loved one up there who might be on the way to, to eternity in the, in the realm of darkness. Doesn't matter who the person might be. But that is someone that needs divine intervention and a touch from Almighty God. And so we're going to join forces together with that person. If need be, pray in the Holy Ghost while you're out there. Activate the miracle working power of God. Generate that power by praying in the Spirit. Oh, that there would be a passion that we all have to save the lost, heal the sick, and set the captives free. Can you say amen? 
Pray with us that there'd be spiritual hunger that would increase by degree and measure among us within the body of Christ, a spiritual hunger. In other words, you know, we got musicians. I'm sorry, musicians. I'm a musician as well. I know about playing musical instruments. It's very easy for us to get caught up in what we're doing here in playing our musical instruments. Is that not right? And there's a lot of ego that comes with that. I know we have to safeguard ourselves and protect ourselves against that. Is there not? Sure. So that means no matter what we're doing, we're doing it unto the glory of the living God. We're up here to play our instruments, sing with our voices to the glory of the living God. Hallelujah. Oh, Father God, yes, thank you that I can play, but I don't want to just play. I want to play by the unction, by the anointing of the Spirit of Almighty God. I can't do that with human ego. I just want, praise God, you just to consume me with the fire of your Spirit that I may play to your honor and to your glory and magnify your holy name. That pray with me that the word would go forth. I mean with conviction with power and with authority every time we meet together no matter who's behind the pulpit no matter who's preaching no matter what venue no matter if they're back there with the young people up there in the nursery that the word would go forth empowered by the spirit it would have a penetrating effect upon the hearts and minds of people it would absolutely penetrate their very souls and quicken something in their body that will turn their hearts around turn their lives around and instill faith within their spirit being hallelujah see we're not just here just to say we came to church on Wednesday night amen praise God and then next that the spirit would move and not be grieved among us that the spirit would move and not be grieved we want him to manifest himself in gifts and supernatural manifestations and outpourings we want to see the glory of God fall from heaven above we want to see praise God the heavens bow to the earth that we could have days of heaven on earth a manifestation of the anointing and the glory of God just as they had in the Old Testament where the glory filled the temple and they could not even stand up for my reason of the cloud because the glory of the Lord the smoke of the Lord filled the house of God we've got a better covenant what they had if they had glory we've got greater glory can you say amen that's our heart's desire and that's how it comes about because of earnest heartfelt prayer that does what makes tremendous power available dynamic in its working you see sometimes a person's life will never be changed or touched by anything but the presence of the holy spirit that brings deep conviction upon their soul that they'll get turned around and walk the right path and get off that wrong road Stop going down that path that says take your life. Stop going down that path that says you'll never make it. Stop going down that path that says there's no hope for you and God. But praise God, get on the right path and start declaring the truth of God's holy word. He's got a plan for me, for my life, for good, not for evil. Give me a future to give me a hope. And my hope, my life is in him who loved me enough to die for me. And then to bring conviction upon people to pray. Oh, praise God, praise God. If we could ever do that, just, it doesn't be here in church, but wherever you're at, take a few moments out of your day and say, I am going to pray some of these things over our assembly of believers because we want God. We want the power of the Spirit of Almighty God. We want the outpouring of His Spirit and a tremendous revival to take place among us. And then also, uh, it's important to understand this. Only God can create revival. Only God can create revival. Anyone that says we're going to have a revival service, they don't really mean that. They mean we're going to have meetings. Do you know what I mean by that? We're going to have meetings. You can have meetings, and out of meetings you can give birth to revival. 
But only God can create a revival. Only God can move in power like that. Only God can pour out his spirit upon a people whose hearts are hungry and thirsty and right before God that says, I'm done with all this stuff. I want more of you. I don't want this mediocrity in my life. I don't want this just a moderately thirsty thing. I want to be so thirsty for you and so hungry for you as David said. In a thrive and thirsty land, as the woman with your blood said, I'm going to get in touch his garment. As, uh, as Paul said in Philippians, when he said, I want Jesus and everything else is nothing but garbage. I just want all of you in my life. I want to be consumed with your presence, your power, and your glory. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It's our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence, to God first, and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you, and God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.